You're listening to the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp Podcast for people passionate about making a positive change. We believe understanding your audience is the key to maximum impact, and behavioral science takes this to a whole new level. Join your host, Ruth Dale, and expert guests to explore biases, beliefs, why we do what we do, and why we don't do what we said we would do. Hey, a quick question for you before the episode starts. Do you want to uplevel your communications with the must-have behavioral science skills for 2021? If that's a yes, then come and join the hundreds of professionals that have already been through bootcamp. The next date is October the 19th, 2021. And we have got an awesome, incredible, amazing bonus for you. So I'm going to leave you hanging and check it out at www.socialinsightmarketing.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Social Marketing is Not Social Media. Three things you need to know about social marketing. I'm your host, Ruth Dale, and in today's episode, we will be looking at three things you need to know about social media. But this is also the first in a three-part series on social marketing, and we will be following up today's episodes with some fantastic interviews with two amazing social marketers, and I will reveal their names at the end. But so for today, we're just going to focus on three things that you can take away to understand social marketing a bit more. So number one, social marketing is not social media. Sounds obvious, doesn't it? But I have spent many a meeting explaining this. Social marketing was born way before social media. Yes, there was a time when we did run marketing before social media. And if my memory is correct, I even worked in an NHS hospital as their comms lead before websites were born. So, (laughs) but in all seriousness, social marketing uses intervention levers from across disciplines to achieve positive outcomes. So it's much more than communications and campaigns. These levers include education, legislation, public health, which I'm sure you're very familiar with, and also behavioral science, which is ever so popular. But social marketing is really keen to draw on the proven techniques that the commercial world is taking advantage of. And stop smoking campaigns or stop smoking activity in this country really is a good example of explaining social marketing. Because in order for us to behaviorally reduce and then eventually quit smoking, there are loads of determinants that will be influencing our decisions and loads of triggers. So this social marketing work with regards to smoking looks at the environment, it looks at policy, it looks at legislation. If you think about the legislation that's changed, meaning people can't smoke in play parks, in cars, and also the public health campaigns then encouraging individuals to change where they smoke in the home and to help them quit. But the stop smoking services really do understand that actually there's a lot of levers in our environment. There's a lot of influences that policy needs to tackle. It can't just all be on the individual shoulders if it is a social norm to smoke. But also wonderfully, what it does do is it allows to really focus and niche down two really vulnerable audiences. So, for example, whilst working at the local authority, we would really focus in on trying to reach pregnant women 
but also trying to reach those with learning disabilities and partner up with the right stakeholders at the right time. So all of this combined is the reason we have such low smoking rates and all of that combined is the reason why campaigns and activities such as Stoptober are so successful because the campaign is running on the back of a massive policy push that is bringing all of these elements together. And that approach is called social marketing. So number two, social marketing has key concepts that make it really easy to use. So you might be thinking, well, I'm a comms lead and what do you mean? I need legislation. I need this. I need that. Yes and no. So every approach is different and every approach is based on insight. And there are three concepts that you can use no matter what your subject, no matter what your behavioral goal. So you could be working in sustainability, you could be working still on COVID, or you could be working in a much more corporate environment. Whatever you're doing, these three concepts can make social marketing easy to use. And they are segmentation, exchange and reward. We're not going to go into deep into these today because these are what our guests, our special guests will explore. But a lovely example of the combination of these core concepts is our award-winning campaign called Love Your Skin. Now, I won this, gosh, a while ago now while I was based at the local authority and it was actually developed on a very small next to nothing budget. But it's called Love Your Skin and it was a social marketing campaign targeting teenagers. And our overall goal was to reduce skin cancer rates, but also encourage young people to take preventative measures such as wearing a hat, putting on sunscreen, etc. So I'm sure you've put the dots together. Great comms messaging there, not. Tell people who really don't care about the future that much because they're so busy living in the moment, lucky the hem, young people, that they need to add more things into their life, more costs. They need to do different things in order to prevent an illness that's approximately 10 years down the line. That's not a great tweet, is it? And I'm pretty sure pretty ineffective approach. So what we did was that we did some co-creation with teenagers to actually identify what a reward would look like for them. What are we asking them to exchange in order to get the reward? So in other words, how can we get them to adopt preventative measures about skin cancer without mentioning the word skin cancer? And it was brilliant. It was fantastic. Really high energy. Young people at a local college developed the campaign and eventually it went regional. And we would use skin scanners just to check sun damage in people's skin. Our big motivator turned out to be that actually teenagers really did care about skin damage, but not because of skin cancer, because of their appearance and their looks. So just going it, the messaging shifting towards that angle worked really well. All the designs, the actual interventions themselves were run by young people. And we had cues around the block. The social norming, the positive social norming that took over was absolutely fantastic. And it just really was because we went in with a little bit of a checklist when developing our insight. One, we need to segment believe it or not, public health policy kind of had the whole of the residents. So we did segment down to teenagers. Two, we had to establish the exchange and three, the reward. 
And that was really how we co-created and that shaped our questions and it led us down a path to really partner and get so much more out of the engagement work than we would ever have got if we'd just taken a consultative approach or, you know, had ideas around the desk ourselves, then go and check it with our audience type approach or even, dare I say, develop our messaging before we got there. And it is strange sort of going completely blank page. Let's work together. Let's see where it takes us. But if you're confident and you believe in the concepts, then they really do guide you. So don't be overwhelmed by point one. And point two is kind of your solution down that road. And so the third thing you need to know is insight is key. So no surprises there that in understanding your audience is the key to successful social marketing. If you've been listening or have you been on any of the bootcamp training, you'll have picked up that this is pretty much what we say everywhere. It really is the key because it is this understanding that enables you to develop actionable insight. That actionable insight will help you focus on establishing measurable behavior change. And that is the biggest milestone. That is such a huge win. Do not take for granted how hard it is for you to actually get all your stakeholders to agree on one or a couple of measurable behavior change goals. So I'm not talking about policy goals. I'm not talking about vision. We're talking about measurable behavior change goals. And you'll know why. You know that if you can't measure it, then you can't grow it and you can't scale it. And we're in an age of, you know, e-marketing, being able to scale is so important. But also from a public health perspective, if you can't measure it and you don't know the impact, then you don't know that you're not having a negative impact on your audience, which is absolutely vital. Should never take for granted that our audience will understand our messaging the way we intend it. So example of this was another campaign I ran. It was a campaign on reducing antimicrobial resistance. Again, zero budget, again, in-house, again, not the only project we were working on at the time. But we had to actually take our public health team and work with our consultants to sort of shape them towards segmenting our audience Because of course, we did start with the whole of the residents again. So using the data, taking time to actually focus in on where we could have the biggest impact, we did segment from the whole Devon population down to GPs and parents of young children, especially newborns in that first year. Taking that segmentation approach then allowed us to focus in on who we could partner up with and where we could establish some core insights find what barriers are, find what the motivations are. There's so much information out there. Once you've segmented, you'll find it so much easier to really focus in and it would just take away so much noise. In the end, we ended up partnering with PHE because they'd done some fantastic research. Dr. Claude and McNulty's research on barriers, why GPs are not reducing the amount they prescribe. But also, we ended up running a targeted campaign called Listen to Your Gut to New Parents to help them build confidence in caring for their child in that first year. So for our antimicrobial resistance campaign, we did not mention the words antimicrobial resistance, cut down prescribing, don't ask for pills. We did not mention any of this to our audience because when we did our insight work, we quickly established that the biggest reason they were going to their GPs 
the main reason they were asking for antibiotics was because they did not have confidence or knowledge of how to manage the many, many, many viruses and colds that their newborns are getting and will get throughout that first and couple of years of life. So building confidence in with mums and dads and carers was the key to actually get them to rely on themselves and go to the pharmacy instead of the GP. So we didn't need to keep going on and telling them what not to do or what to do. Actually, we needed to really embrace them and be kind and find a very interesting and fun and entertaining way to educate them on some of the core caring skills that they needed. And it was a really tough task because actually they're exhausted. So our audience is really sleep deprived and worried and nervous. So again, co-creation approach with mums themselves. And we developed some videos called Listen to Your Gut. And then we pushed them out to parents across Devon. And we saw a significant reduction in prescribing rates. We had event at the end, we had a two-pronged attack. We worked with PHE on the prescribing pad giving GPs the ability to prescribe something different that was not antibiotics. And we did the community engagement and then the community campaign work with the mums. And together, we did see a reduction in prescribing. So it was fantastic. But the reason I'm sharing this with you is to show that actually our behavioral goal was about increasing confidence in caring for your child in that first year was nothing to do with antibiotics. And that is where the insight took us. And we do believe that is why it was so successful and why people didn't feel it was just yet another campaign telling them what to do or not to do. So I'll stop there because the next two episodes are fantastic. We have Professor Alan Tapp and Luke van der Baker. They're both expert social marketers. They're absolutely, they run brilliant programs. So do check in to episodes two and three, which will be going into more detail on those three concepts for you. And thanks everyone. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to check out the Autumn Bootcamp on our website, www.socialinsightmarketing.co.uk. Check out the new bonus and please do book your place because spaces are limited. Thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, show us some love and leave a review on iTunes. We'll leave you with Ruth's favorite quote from Alice in Wonderland. I knew who I was this morning, but I've changed a few times since then. Got a favorite quote about the magic of change? Tell us over at the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp Group on LinkedIn. Join us for a Mad Hatter's Tea Party, virtually.